Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is when you're watching this. Welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algetz and joining me as always is... Maggie, love it. How you doing today, Maggie? I'm doing pretty good on this turkey day. Oh, yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you in the U.S. Uh, this episode is pre-recorded, but it is going up on Thanksgiving. So I hope that you are having a fantastic day with family and friends and good times and good food. Today, we are talking to someone who I've, I've actually uh, I've looked up to for quite a while. Just as as someone who has worked super hard in this space, a fantastic creator, we're talking to Felicia Day. Uh, if you don't know who that is, you might know about the Guild. You might have seen her on Supernatural, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. She has a new audio drama out via Audible that's called Third Eye. You should absolutely check it out. I've heard nothing but fantastic things. Maggie, you've, you've listened to it. It was excellent. Yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. I'm going to give it a listen as I drive home uh, yesterday as of the recording of this. Uh, I'm going to give it a listen on my drive home. Uh, but anyways, we're going to go ahead and hop right into that interview. So uh, let's get to it. Felicia, I realize that you and I have a fun thing in common. We are both former weird homeschool kids. <laughs> Oh, really? Are you home? Were you homeschooled? I was indeed. Yes. Uh, six, oh my God. First grade for all the way through high school. Um, so it was fun because I, I was reading some of your stuff about like being homeschooled and, you know, getting to embrace being like the weird kid and then finding ways in adulthood to kind of, you know, touch on all of those things that you loved um, when you were younger. But I wondered, did that experience ever like help you adapt to like the weird, fun situations that you found yourself in as you were growing up in the industry? I think, I mean, I'm, I moved to Hollywood after I went to college. 
So I went, I was a violinist. I started playing when I was like two and a half. I was kind of a prodigy because um, I just was bored at home and I played a lot and I got a full scholarship to college. And then the minute I graduated, I was like, boom, I'm going to Hollywood. And I would not say that anything was an advantage in Hollywood. Uh, neither my ability to play the violin, not so useful. My ability to be a mathematician, which was actually what I got my degree in, not so much. Uh, being homeschooled and being socially awkward and not very adept at uh, being able to navigate social situations and thinking I was a lot prettier than I was, all really not an advantage. So I will say that it was not an easy transition and I'm still learning how to do it now. And at the end of the day, I at least have come to terms with like, this is who you are. And sometimes it doesn't fit, but at least you have a place that you belong, which is more on the internet with the fans who like what I do. <laughs> yes. I definitely say I have found a home on the internet as well. It, it's a, a fine place for former homeschool kids. Yeah, that's so interesting. I still think there's an interesting, like, yeah, I, I always think like, oh, that'd be an interesting podcast series on like how, you know, uh, we adapt and how, how, what, what, what makes us different? Like we're, we're literally born outside of society. And I think there's some great things about that. But there's also some not so great in that we never know how to relatively compare ourselves to other people because we compare ourselves to the adults that we compare. You know, like I was like, I'm not as good as Itzhak Perlman. I need to practice harder. I'm like, you are so much better than any other kid who's 13. But you don't have a sense of that, right? Because you're just not around other children. So yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I've always found myself to compare myself to adults as well. So it's good to see that's like a common bond through all of us. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we, you know, my daughter though is, she, I, I'm making her to go to school because I'm like, you're not going to be like this. But she, again, would rather talk to an adult than a kid any other day of the week. So I don't know. Maybe it's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> now you, you did mention your, your college degrees and your, you know, kind of what you got your degrees in and what you studied. What made you decide that you were going to go off to Hollywood and pursue acting as opposed to any of the paths that what you studied in school might have opened up for you? You know, I think it's because I moved around a lot when I was a kid. My dad was in the military. He was trained to be a doctor. They stationed him lots of different places for his training. And the one commonality of seeing other people outside my house was doing community theater. My mom would just be like, oh, they're doing Oklahoma. Be like the girl in the back. And so that sort of camaraderie and making something together and being around other people. And that was the only time I was around other people. So it became a feeling of collaboration and, you know, DIY making it that I thought was going to be in Hollywood. Unfortunately, most of the time I have to do it outside of Hollywood, but I do get to do amazing acting roles in Hollywood and hosting. And so I can't complain at all. It's, it's a blessing. But the stories that I want to tell are not very, you know, uh, they're not as, as attractive to Hollywood. And so, you know, I pitch them a lot. They don't happen, but I am determined to make them happen. And that's kind of how a lot of my projects get done, including, you know, my newest project, Third Eye. Yes, which I desperately want to like talk to you about because I think it's so fun that Audible has been investing in all of these like gorgeous audio dramas that just have so much depth and like incredible casts. How did the story come to you? What was kind of the inception of it? Well, funnily enough, it was a lot about being like a gifted, you know, isolated kid and that sort of a gifted syndrome, a prodigy syndrome. You know, I, I I thought it would be interesting to be like, hey, what if Harry Potter failed? But then also, what was it? What am I trying to work through myself? And that a lot of it is like, hey, I was I was told I was awesome at a lot of things, and I did. I never reached 
to the heights of what I thought I needed to do. And that sense of failure kind of accompanied me throughout my life. And how, why? Because I'm not a failure. Why do I feel like a failure? And I really, in my research of like, you know, gifted child syndrome and, and prodigy syndrome, like I, I realized, oh, this is kind of the root of it. And I'd love to kind of put that in the story because um, I want to tell a story about, you know, vampires and fairies and magic and all that stuff in our real world, but I want to make it mean something. And so that kind of combining those two things, my traumatic tra- trauma of my childhood, a little bit of my trauma uh, and my love of fantasy and fireballs. <laughs> Well, and that's, and that's kind of interesting because like imposter syndrome is something that I certainly deal with. And I feel like there's a lot of people, pretty much everybody in this industry probably deals with it to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is that something that you, that maybe has driven just how much that you have done? Because you, you definitely seem like you're probably one of the most busy people in the industry. It seems like, cause you know, you've written books and you've done podcasting and like you, you do your Twitch stream and it seems like you always have stuff going. Do you think that that might be a little bit of like what drives that the sense to like, you always need to be doing more and more and more. I mean, I, I, I think that <clears throat> I'm just looking for a place I belong and I'm looking to tell stories I want to tell. And I love video game streaming. If I could make it my full-time job, I probably would. Maybe that's my retirement plan. I don't know. I love video games. I love acting. You know, as an actor, I don't get to do it all the time, but I love it when I could do it. And I love writing. I love telling stories. So I, I'm one of those people that if I had I chosen a, chosen a lane, I'd probably be a lot more successful and no, well-known for that lane. But that's just not who I am. I'm like, I get, I mean, next year I'm working on stage plays. Like, I'm just like, I've never done that before. Let's do it. I just always have to like jump headfirst into something I don't know how to do because that's what fuels me. And that's okay. I think my whole journey um, as, as being a person is just being okay and being in touch with who I am. And I think especially in the entertainment industry, and, and if you live in Los Angeles specifically, nobody's ever happy where they are. And they're not happy with where their success level. They're not happy with their productivity level. They're not happy with themselves. They're not happy with their social life. Like they're not happy. They're always looking to go somewhere else that they aren't. And I think my whole journey in life has been figuring out like, hey, enjoy where you are because you don't got anything else. <laughs> you're you're on a highway going super fast. You're not coming past this mile marker. You better enjoy it. And that sense of just being settled and confident um, is hard if you're in this industry, but you have to find that sort of center um, and figure out how to plant yourself or you're never going to make anything that you're proud of. I think that's what I truly believe. That's very true. I know that you had originally conceived third eye as a television series, I believe. What was it like for you adapting it from that like television concept to an audio concept? And were there like any aspects that kind of like came to you like unexpectedly? Like, Oh, I can actually go down this Avenue in a very different way than like I originally conceived it. Yeah. I had only written the pilot and Adapting a pilot into audio was, it was a big learning curve. When I sat down, I was like, oh, nobody could see any of this. This is going to be a challenge. And the first step was introducing a narrator. And that kind of made sense in that it was already a fantasy story. So having sort of a fantasy narrator being able to accompany and set up scenes and help world building was very, very advantageous. And it went with the story matter. I mean, it's a comedy, but it's also a fantasy, you know, adventure. Um, but then... When I got into it, writing, it is very, very challenging. And it was challenging up until the day we finished the episodes because not only when I was writing did I have to make sure that everybody knows where everybody is, everybody knows who's speaking, everybody knows what action's happening. We have 
magical fighting scenes. We have people throwing themselves at like, you know, and there's just mundane scenes of them in a kitchen. Like you don't want to be confused about where they are. And just the sound of a fridge opening or the clink of a, of a fork or like being able to, you know, make, make it sound like somebody's walking away. And I have to give full credit to Mumble, which was the um, post-production house who did all the editing and, and soundtrack. And made, they're just brilliant what they do. And they, they helped solve problems where they, you know, we didn't know until we were editing it together. It was like, oh, this is confusing. And sometimes I add a line in, but a lot of the times it was done with special effects and all sorts of things. And it's amazing what you can do with sound. So it was such a learning curve. And I, for once, I'm like, oh, I would like to do that again in audio. <laughs> that that kind of does make me a little bit curious of like, what what is the difference in the processes of writing something that is going to be an audio drama as opposed to something that maybe is going to be, you know, filmed? Uh, and are there any unique challenges that you found that you had to overcome at that stage of the process? For sure. I mean, the narrator helped, but in writing it, you really have to be explicit. Like, you know, if somebody's arm blows off, you can't just be like, you have to have somebody say, oh my God, his arm blow blew off. You have to have that, especially with, and, and also, you know, you can't just have long scenes of people just talking. You just can't. It's, it's, you have to have more, you know, I would say that the script that we recorded, I mean, it was like 500 pages and then I cut it down to 450 and then 400 by the time we recorded. And then I would say it got down to at least 375 at the end of the day, because when we were assembling all the dialogue, I was like, this is boring. We got to cut half the scene out because we just got to get through this. And so, or, and, and especially like, you know, because it's a comedy, but it does have stakes and heart, you know, we would have to cut out a lot of you know, jokes around big events. Cause I'm like, I don't like her making a joke here. Cause it doesn't feel like she really cares here. So it was a very involved process, you know, not unlike, you know, visual filmmaking, but as a performer, you have to do everything with your voice and you have to do as a writer, you have to do everything with your dialogue and your sounds. You cannot rely on an actor's reaction to make somebody laugh. And that is, that was a big learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. What was the casting process like for it? Did you have people kind of already in mind when you were working on writing it? Because you have incredible people on that and they give such an, like incredible performances. I listened to it earlier this week and it's it's so good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Neil Gaiman as the narrator was always my dream. I can't believe he agreed to do it. Will Wheaton, my friend, plays Robagus, kind of the antagonist of the piece. And I wrote that for him, but you never know if people are going to be available. Sean Astin is the vampire, and I've been friends with Sean for a long time. We worked together on the libra librarians, and just I've known him for years. Lennon Hughes is somebody who plays my best friend. She plays Sybil Aurora Moonglow, my best friend Fairy. Um, she's very flighty and, and very scammy and all this stuff, and she is brilliant. And I didn't know about her until my friend Jonah Ray, who was voice directing, he, uh, he turned me on to her performance on YouTube. And I was like, oh, my God. And then Lily Pichu is like a big influencer online and a big streamer. And I've, I've learned about her on YouTube or not YouTube, but Twitch, but now she's on YouTube, but like her demeanor is like so perfect. And I fell in love with her and I was like, oh my gosh, please let her be Kate. So yeah, you're right. I mean, casting to me is very personal and very special. And if you nail it, you don't have to work much harder. And I was, I had the privilege of like having the best, 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 best actors asking all my friends to do. I mean, Harvey Gann from what we do in the shadows is, is a cameo. Troy Baker, who's like the best voice actor in the world as a cameo. Um, Weird Al. Like it's just, 
listen, I spent like almost four years on this. Like I need, I needed it to be everybody I knew in it. And they, they all showed up. Thank goodness. Now, if you like, you've, you've talked about wanting to do more of this sort of like audio drama stuff. If you, you do another one, what is like, or who is somebody that you would like to have like dream casting for just, you know, anybody you could have involved, who would you want to have involved? Oh my gosh, that's really cool. Um, well, I do already have this, this past year, I actually recorded a feature that I've never been able to get made. And I will hopefully release that. I'm not sure who my releasing partner will be, but I made it on my own because I was just like, I'm making this movie. I was supposed to star in this movie like 50 times. Never going to get made. I'm just going to do it in audio. So that'll be out next year. Um, and well, I, I mean, as far as voices, wow. I mean, my friend Alan Tudyk is actually in Third Eye. He plays a vampire and he's so funny and I would love to do more work with him. Mindy Kaling, I don't know why that's so random, but I would just love to work with her. I feel like we'd really get along. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of Taika Waititi. I mean, come on. Like I would that's somebody I'd kill to work with in any I will be an extra. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of amazing people out there and they're mostly like comedy, quirky comedy people. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I would love to work with some of my supernatural castmates in a recording. That would be super fun. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. I mean, Hey, they should do a supernatural audio drama. I think that is something that's a fun way to get everybody back together without having to get a TV show off the ground. I mean, it would be amazing. I like it. I like, let's put it in the, in the yeah, universe. That's exactly I'm what I'm surprised they haven't like that. Yeah. That totally sounds like something they would have done already. But, yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing about supernatural. They were always, they always are very experimental, you know? So we'll see. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey. Yes. Uh, something I love about your career is that you, it feels like you've been in so many shows that are cornerstones to like the lifeblood of geekdom. Is there any franchise or project that you haven't had like the opportunity to be part Star of? Trek? Yes, I was going to say Star Trek. Star Trek. I, yes, I have been working out. I am in unitard shape. That better. <laughs> I'm just like want to manifest it into the world next year. I just want to be. I mean, I don't need a big part. I just want to be in you know several episodes doing. I mean, I'm very good at medical lab stuff. All right, I'm very good at medical terminology. Put me in a lab with some science some computer stuff, some medicine. I will, I will cure your plague. Let me do it. Let me in there. You need to be in Star Trek. Honestly, I was looking at your resume again, just to make sure I hadn't missed anything. I'm like, how has she not been in Star Trek yet? Like she's perfect for Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was very busy with my company, um, Geek and Sundry for many years and I couldn't act, I couldn't actively audition for stuff. And then the couple years that I had, um, uh, I kind of quit acting for the last several years because not only COVID really slid everybody down, but I had this wonderful part in Supernatural. And when I was getting auditions, I was so frustrated with the kind of parts that I was be being given because I had a baby. And for some reason, I just kept getting mom parts. I'm like, I don't know who's doing this. I'm much more, you know, these parts are not interesting to me. This is not what I'm going to book. Why are I, why I keep going out for sitcom wife? I don't understand this. So I kind of just left 
all that behind. I didn't even have people looking for auditions for me since like 2018. So I finally just hired some, a new person and I'm very excited to kind of see what's out there. Even though Charlie really set the bar, I feel like, you know, there's some amazing writing out there. And so I can just cross fingers that I can not only get into some cool franchises, but just have a cool role that adds to people's lives. You know, that's, that's my goal. And that, that sort of makes me, you know, you mentioned that you sort of walked, stepped away from acting for a little bit and things of that nature, but you were still doing a lot of, you know, additional stuff. So I'm kind of curious, what is something that maybe wasn't the most public facing thing that you ever done that you are like super proud of? Like maybe something that people might not be aware that you necessarily did. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean, I, I think. Wow, that's really a good question. I mean, I'm, I'm so public facing; it's hard to. I, I mean, Third Eye is like you know, it's it's something that's a little bit different for people. So, I mean, that's really the thing that I'm absolutely most proud of. I, I, uh, I and I also I think my creativity book. You know, I think it was very popular, but for me, um, I wrote. Uh, it's called Embrace Your Weird, and I wrote it in those years where I was getting those horrible auditions, and I just had a baby, and I had just left my company, and it was really. You know, I had a lot of low points during my time of like burnout and overwork, but that was really a soul searching personality, you know, who am I kind of search. And that book, you know, is designed to sort of let people recollect themselves and figure out their artistic voice and kind of peruse their past and present and their future dreams and try to focus on one creative outlet. And that book, really writing the book for other people made me be able to get to the point where I could write something like Third Eye. I can believe in myself for 10 episodes, seven hours of content and be like, I can see this through because this is what I'm meant to do right now. And so hopefully, you know, it's a good Christmas present too. It has lots of interactive stuff. People don't like tearing out a page like I tell them to, but I'm like, just do it. Break those rules. Um, I just love enhancing other people's lives. And I love having people um, unlock their creativity because I've had so much trouble in my life unlocking mine, but it's where the highlights of my life are. So well, here's a, a fun question talking about like unlocking creativity. What is like something that you got into during the pandemic that helped keep your creativity alive? Because I know that was a weird ebb and flow time for a lot of people like myself included. Like I always joke, you know, Shakespeare did so much during the, the plague and London, <laughs> there are so many people now they're like, oh, here's everything I created during the pandemic. And it's like 10 books and like three TV shows or something. But like what helped keep you engaged with creating in such like a weird time period? The, the the most valuable thing was that I was cut off from Hollywood. It really, <laughs> I hate to say that, but I was trying to do too much and I was trying to produce and screenwrite for Hollywood. And honestly, that process for me doesn't work as well. I mean, it. I want to tell my stories and I love acting, but the, the business of producing, especially, I was putting a lot too much time in it and it was not, I'm not a hustler and I was working for other people's projects because I wasn't brave enough to really sacrifice and focus on my own. Um, uh, I was kind of running away from my own, you know, the work of doing creative work. And so, uh, it was very gratifying as well as just giving myself the permission for a couple of years. I was just like video game streaming, man. Like I was just enjoying games. I was playing, I was creating a community that, you know, I was, I was not feeling like I needed to be something other than myself. And I finally felt like, oh, I like myself for myself now, you know, I'm playing a game and I'm just hanging with people who accept me and my family as well, like really slowing down and being with my kid. Um, it was really a sense of like stopping. And I know that it was a horrible time for so many people, but 
And in a sense, we all got a free pass at a midlife crisis <laughs> way earlier than we would have, right? And so if that pivoted your life in a way, in, in a good or a bad way, you're you could come through it to be a better version of yourself. And that's what I truly believe. Like those disasters that were thrown are just, yeah, they're horrible and they're horrible to go through. Um, but you got to look at the bright side of it because you have to keep growing or you're just, you'll, you know, you'll feel like a failure and we don't want that anymore. <laughs> I'm curious, you know, because you mentioned gaming quite a bit, what are you playing right now? So I'm trying to finish the cyberpunk um, DLC, I only stream two to three times a week, which is impossible because the, the release schedule this year has been insane. We got, um, we got the new Mario game, which I've only played once with my daughter. We were finishing Pokemon, uh, Violet, um, which was a lot, that's a big game, you know, and she likes to catch them all. So we were doing that. I play with her 30 minutes a night. And then I play, I stream a lot of farming games. So we played Fae Farm. We were just finished. We didn't finish it, but we're probably done with uh, my time at Sandrock. And I'm looking forward to Coral Island, but I want them to be multiplayer. So I'm excited about all those games, you know, farming games. And then I love my big sort of story games like Cyberpunk, God of War, um, Starfield. I tried to dip into. It was not a casual game. I need to put 400 hours into it to get into it. But then there's also Assassin's Creed Mirage. So it's really tough. I love little indie games too. So again, I could definitely stream eight hours a day. Um, my butt cannot take that. But um, And certainly I'm not going to get anything done with my life as far as writing goes, which at a certain point will be fine. But I do have some stories to write. So anyway, I like playing co-op with my friends, Fortnite. But um, yeah, just come and watch me. It's fine. <laughs> They're always fun streams. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I know we've talked about some of your iconic roles like Charlie, but I think one of the ones that I am like, the it's probably my favorite is Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. That is like, and I know you talk about it a lot at conventions because everybody loves it. But like, what yeah. was it like to be part of something that is still like something that people just take so much joy out of? And it was just kind of like a small little like silly thing that becomes so much bigger. Yeah, I mean, I think... The, the key is that you're genuinely doing something because you love it. The whole team was just amazing. And I, they're my best friend, you know, like I just, I loved all of them um, behind the camera and in front of the camera. And it, you don't feel like you're doing like a magical thing. You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun doing this. I mean, the same thing happened with my date, my avatar video. It's like, I wrote it and I listened to the, when it, Jed sent the track to me, I was like, oh my God, this is a hit. And then when I watch the video, I'm like, it's going to, you know, you, you, you see it and you're like, this is going to be a hit, but it's very few and far between in the, in the way that that would happen. But nobody could predict, you know, something to blow up overnight. Like I've, I've been, I've been a part of a lot of, wow, it blew up kind of stuff and more than my fair share. And so when you're a part of that, you know, you're just making the best thing you can can make and then you're just hoping that other people feel the same way. I mean, you know, Third Eye is a lot different from what I usually re release. It's seven hours versus seven minutes. Um, and it's more of a slow burn kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I know I put my heart into it and that's all I can do, you know, and you just release it into the world and see, uh, will they like it? If, yeah, if so, great. If not, I'm still moving on, you know, I'm still moving on to make something new. Yeah. So, uh, this episode is going to be released on 
Thanksgiving, this interview that oh. we're doing here. Uh, Happy Turkey Day. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I have to I have to ask the the big question for Thanksgiving, which is just what are you thankful for, either in your career, in your life in general, or maybe both? Wow. Um, I'm thankful. I mean, I know this is super cheesy, but I just have to say my daughter. Yeah, I'm really thankful for my daughter because she taught me that I wasn't caring for myself as much as I care for other people. And in learning how to be a good parent, I learned how to parent myself. And that made me a happy, stable, productive, but also just okay with myself person, which I never was before. And so I, I feel like I mean, it's such a cliche, but you really got to love yourself. But I think sometimes you can't love yourself unless you are doing that. You're, you're doing that act for other people. And so getting out of my own needs and caring for somebody and trying to make the best childhood for this person uh, taught me like, well, I'm not doing that for myself. I'm not, I'm not loving myself even if I fall down or do something badly. I'm not loving myself if I'm not as successful. You know, like it's all conditional. My own love for myself is conditional. And so getting rid of that idea, um, has been just, it literally opened up a whole new world for me. Like I might not be as successful. I might not be doing as much project. I might be as rich and famous. I don't care. Like that is not, all of that goes away when you're dead. What doesn't go away is your enjoyment of your life up until then and the people around you feeling like you're loving them. So anyway. I love that. That's great. I want to know though, as we wind down this episode, are we going to get more third eye? Do you have more stories in that universe? Is that something you want to keep on creating in? Well, I own the project just mm -hmm. like I do the guild. So um, I would love to tell another story. It was expressly created to be a standalone. So mm -hmm. if you never have any more third eye, I did leave a little hint about where we could go. You did. But at, at the end of the day, it's okay either way. You know, there's no plans right now. But again, I own, you know, the characters. I'd love to see more. I'd love to see more guild. I'm working on a guild musical right now. So maybe that'll happen next year. Um so, and I have other stories. Uh, I have a graphic novel coming out year after next. So I have a lot of things lined up that I'm really uh, excited to work on. But yeah, these characters definitely have their hooks in me. And if something else happens, I'll just be like, thank you. But there's nothing right now that's planned. So just let me know if you like it. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been fantastic talking to you. Well, thank uh, you. Yeah, after talking to her, I definitely need to listen to this because like the way that she described it as like, what if Harry Potter had failed? Mm -hmm. Like I, that, that sells me on it. Absolutely. And totally like, it I gotta, I gotta give it a listen. It is a show for any gifted kid burnout. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, check that out. Uh, yeah. Have a, have a good time with that little bit of housekeeping stuff here. Uh, Maggie, you're going to be doing something kind of exciting this I weekend. I am. Uh, so if if you're watching this right now, I am probably on a plane or maybe I've landed at time, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Uh, but I am headed to San Francisco for Fan Expo San Francisco, where I will be moderating a whole bunch of really cool panels alongside fellow Kaladish staff member Arzua Men. So if you are in San Francisco and going to Fan Expo, be sure to check both Collider and our social medias to see where we will be. Uh, those panels range from you know, James Marsters, Ewan McGregor, uh, Tamar Morrison, like we both have so many fun things going on. So like, 
be sure to see it. Uh, and if you're not attending, you can check out some articles that we'll, we'll be running in the next couple of days about all the fun stuff. Um, and kind of one of the big highlights as well is we will be recording a live episode of Collider Dailies. So, you know, check it out. I am so jealous that you guys are going to get to do that. <laughs> like, I want to in the future because I'm recording this on a, a day beforehand. <laughs> I want to do a live episode of this show. Well, I mean, next most year, most of our episodes are live, but I mean, like in person. You know what I mean? You're just saying that because this is pre-recorded. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe in the new year we'll get a chance to do a, a, a live Collider Dailies. That's you and me and Perry and Steve. God, it, get all four of us in a room together. That sounds dangerous. It sounds very. That dangerous. Sounds like a recipe, a recipe <laughs> for shenanigans. Uh, so yes, if you're going to be at Fan Expo, be sure to to you know get out there, try to see something that Maggie or Arzu are doing. Uh, if you see them, say hello. You know the usual stuff. A uh, couple other things, real quick. No shave November. Raising awareness for prostate cancer, go over to uh, cancer.org. That's the American Cancer Society. Donate if you can. If not, just spread the word. Uh, and yeah, so tomorrow, tomorrow's like actual live episode is going to be Perry and Steve, I believe, unless the plan has changed between the time that we record this and uh, it goes up. So be sure to tune in at 10 a.m. live on the Collider Extras channel to give that a watch. Uh, but until I see you, live the next time i hope you have a wonderful thanksgiving i hope you have a wonderful weekend after that don't go too crazy with your black friday shopping just you know try to you know <laughs> ace yourself don't get ran over by any mobs please i would like to not hear about that on the happening. digital highway since most of the black friday sales are online this year that's true black friday and cyber monday have just kind of merged into one amorphous blob of capitalism so you know <laughs> <laughs> have fun with that i guess uh but until i see you next time i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and uh catch you later <laughs>